Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, it's time for The Rush with Butkus Award winner Teddy Lehman and Tyler McComas. Well, the, the future in Bedlam is, uh, is a year or two left. I mean, that's the future of Bedlam um, <clears throat> based on somebody else's decision. Biggest shock of the day is that the, uh, the quote that's making uh, some waves comes from Mike Gundy, right? Shocking. That typically yeah. doesn't happen. So <laughs> there was no real urgency at all for me today. On a non-OU day, and, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of urgency. Chris Kleiman's up there. Eh. Neil Brown's up there. Nah. Uh, Dave Aranda. Once Mike Gundy, though. And he was the nightcap of the day today. Once he got up there, it was like appointment television. Right. He, it's like so entertaining. It was like appointment TV. It was, I don't care if he says anything about Bedlam or OU, he's going to say something, and i got to be here to witness it. Oh, yeah. He he never misses. He's He's one of the rare guys that says exactly what's on his mind. And at times, it gets him in trouble. Other times gets him a bunch of laughs, um, but when he takes the stage and he has a microphone in front of him, there is no doubt that everyone in the room is going to listen just because you never know what he may say. Has he completely overcome the uh, political hate that he was getting? Is he on the other side of that? Because it was before that, before the OAN t-shirt. Everyone around here, oh my God, Teddy, loved him. He couldn't say anything wrong. The OAN t-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it changed things. Is, uh, what I'm asking is, like, is he past that? Is everyone around here, media-wise, back to, oh, it's just Gundy? Uh, y- yeah. Yeah, somewhat. Somewhat. I think so. I think some of that's faded enough as, as of right now, but... All it takes is one person to uh, to get upset about an old quote or something and start firing those questions away. But yeah, as of right now, I think well, it, I think that ends up selling better, right? Whenever you cheer him on and get him to say stuff, other than sit up there and fire uh, questions at him about his political takes. Um, he did say something today. I think I have the audio clip lined up here. Um, if I don't, it was in effect of, well, I don't even think, you know, kids <laughs> nowadays even know what conference the school they're I being recruited this. by is, you know? Did, did he say, like, how many kids know Purdue's in the Big Ten? Something like that. It was great. Yeah. Well, you know, honestly, I think there's some truth to that. I think there's some truth. Like whenever you're talking about the elite players that are going somewhere for draft status, that's not the case. But a lot of other guys, probably th- what conference the school is in has zero effect on where they go.
<laughs> Sorry, Wake Forest and Purdue. <laughs> Sorry about you. That's that's got to sting a little bit. Is he saying that? You know, that's it's really not a factor for them in recruiting, or is that just a good way to say, well, kids these days are idiots? Yeah, yeah, basically. Uh, it's like Travis Davidson said on his weekly spot with uh, Parker and I. It's well. Does he feel like he has to say that right now with the current landscape of the Big 12 and what's happening with that league compared to the others? Yeah, it's good. Basically to... saying, oh, conference don't matter with these kids. Eh, okay. I think, I, think there's, I think there's some truth to it at a certain level of recruit. Um, if you're the number one corner in the country, yeah, you're going to know and it's going to matter. If you're the number one defensive lineman in the country, it's going to know and it's going to matter. If you're the number 25 prospect in Oklahoma, probably not nearly as big of a deal. I mean, there's a huge group of kids that are just happy to be able to get a scholarship and go play at a Power 5 school, you know? So I think it's a little bit different, and it depends on what level of player you're talking to. Yeah, if that wasn't the biggest quote from today, uh, new Big 12 commissioners had this to say about OU in Texas. So he was he, asked about yeah, like OU in Texas. Would you like negotiate or an early exit? Yeah, Do you want to see yeah. them stay to the the full length yeah, of the contract? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, that was a really good way of not saying anything. Mutually beneficial. I me thinks man, and I haven't thought this for a while. This is actually a new thought for me. I am trending towards this is the last year in the Big Twelve for both OU and Texas. Is it because of the external factors with what's gone on with USC and the Big Ten and all yeah. the conversation? That's 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 a that's a big reason. Yes. I, th- I think you're right. Uh, well, I don't I don't necessarily know that you're right about this being the last year, but I think the conversation has changed pre USC UCLA to the Big Ten and post. USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. I, I feel totally different. Before that. that, it felt like, man, this thing has slowed down. It feels like it may actually play itself out. Now it feels like the Big 12, the Pac-12, you know, everyone kind of wants this thing to, uh, to, to work itself out to where we can get on, we can renegotiate, renegotiate our deals and kind of get back to playing football. But I don't know. How to know? It's, Gundy was up there for like twenty minutes today, and it felt like a third of the questions were actually about OU. OU you know, yeah. like, well, OU is going to the SEC. Like, how does it affect your recruiting? And I just played you the audio right. clip. That's what he said. And then he was asked basically the same question, but from a brand perspective. Like, all right, you talk about the OSU brand, all that. Like, how does OU rolling to the SEC affect OSU's brand?
large people across the country want to watch Oklahoma State football. Is that true? I think so. I think it's a good brand. I think it's a good program. It's not – they are not a school – if OSU is playing a a top 10, top 15 type of program, like as far as popularity, that's a game that you'll stop and watch. If – you know, I, I don't know, just thinking of a, of a random matchup, like if um, – you know, if LSU and Oklahoma State are playing – that's a worthy football game to, to see what's going on. If LSU and Texas Tech are playing, not the same thing. I, I think that they've earned their their place, and I do think they have a pretty solid brand. It reminds me – this the press conference, though, reminds me of Happy Gilmore whenever Shooter McGavin wins the tournament and they keep asking him about Happy Gilmore. What about that drive? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What place he get? Dead last? <laughs> no, no, it's a good finish for him. Yeah. <laughs> is that the same scene where he takes the giant check and just puts it in the back of the car while yeah, he's leaving? Yeah, the like the $9,000 check. No, I want one of those, one of those big checks. I don't have any more checks to give. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's an interesting spot for Gundy. I don't – I think it – do you think it elevates their brand? Um, potentially, I think that Agree. if they run the new big 12 and not just win it once every five years, I mean, they really, they are the face of that conference and they're making the playoff. I don't even think they have to have deep playoff runs, but they're, if they're a regular team that you expect to see in the playoffs, absolutely. I think that there's a chance that it increases their brand. Like, what does that mean for them at the end of the day? I, I don't know, but that wasn't the question. But in this new Big 12, if they're just one of the best teams but not really winning the league all that much and never really making the playoff, I think it could decrease their brand. So I think it's situational. Yeah. No, I, I agree. If it all, I think it all depends on what the playoff format is moving forward. If the Big 12, if winning the Big 12 being a one-loss Big 12 champ keeps you – they don't start treating it as – a uh, a lower lower level, then I think it could help them and help them a lot. Have two schools from the same state ever won two conference championships in the same year? Like, has Florida and Florida State ever won the ACC and the SEC in the same year? Yeah. Um, Florida State won the ACC in 2000, and Florida won the SEC in 2000. Really? And I think maybe even Miami won the Big East in 2000. Yes, because Florida State was in the national championship game in 2000 against you guys. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Miami lost to Washington that year. That was their only loss, so Mm -hmm. they would have won the Big East. And Florida played Miami in the Sugar Bowl that same year. So I think Florida, I'm pretty sure Florida won the SEC in 2000. So I think actually three teams have. That's impressive. Wow. But it would still be cool. It doesn't matter that Florida uh, one-upped there. It would still be cool if OSU and OU won the SEC in the Big 12. But we got a lot of time before we ever even yeah. discussing was that. that. Was Gundy's comment the highlight of the day? And we had the phlegm in there, Mike Leach, Dana Holgerson style. Um, yeah, I think that was the highlight of the day. I haven't heard anything else really of any relevance other than Aranda admitting to the guys – well, anyone who watched the game saw the whole thing unfold, and I don't know how the officials screwed that up. 
they stopped the game and let Baylor uh, change guys. I remember, like, I was like, what are they doing? And no one said anything about it. The TV commentators didn't say anything about it. Gundy didn't say anything about it. No one That's, ever brought it yeah, up. Yeah, it's, it's like one of the top five, top three biggest plays in Oklahoma State history, and he didn't say anything. But by God, if the band is playing during the middle of the game the at band. Kansas State, he's raising hell about that one. Uh, let me play this comment one more time uh, from Mike Gundy. Well, the, the future in Bedlam is uh, is a year or two left. I mean, that's the future of Bedlam um, <clears throat> based on somebody else's decision. I just the, – the throat clear is amazing. Right. All right, so after hearing that for the fourth time on the show today, let's say that this is OU's last year in the SEC, which means they're going to play again. Um, how many times will OU and Oklahoma State play in football in the next ten years? After hearing what Gundy just said today. They're going to play once this year, but how many more times in the next 10 years? Ten. Regular season. You you seriously still think it's 10? I do. No way for me. Until I I hear that it's officially canceled, I I think it's a bunch of – I just think it's it's positioning. It's it's political right now, trying to work these things out. Like I said – like the network partners for the Big 12 are going to want it. For the SEC, they're going to want those two teams to play that. I mean, that's that's a big revenue stream. It's a it's a high it's like I said yesterday, it's one of the highest uh wagered games in the country. Yeah, okay. Well, every they year. they better start seeing a different tune then. I I agree with all your points. But unless Oklahoma State says Yes to it or starts acting like they want to play it at all. I have a hard time believing that. Here's what I think is going to happen. They're obviously going to play this year. I think that there's going to be probably a four to five year period where they don't play. All right. And we're going to be talking about it during that time, whatever. I think there will be a home and home scheduled within the next 10 years. They'll play that and there'll be kind of a reckoning to make this more of a of an annual game. Right. I think there's going to be, a, you know, four or five years, whatever. They're not going to do it. Everyone's doing their own thing. They play it again. They come back together, and for the long term, they end up playing it every year. Yeah, yeah. You, but I, like I told you in the first hour, OSU has had multiple opportunities, and multiple people within that university have had a chance to say, "Oh hell, we'll probably end up playing them." And every single time, they give off the vibe that either they don't want to play it or they don't see how it's possible. Yeah. I, things can obviously change. Uh, there's a ton of history there. There's, I mean, I don't know. Maybe OU is is just as willing to turn that off as OSU is, and they just haven't made that public. Yeah. Don't know. Um, I, interesting I don't know. text, and I, I agree with that. If they, especially if they stop playing and we get this thing to a 12-team playoff, and OU's the one, two, three seed in the twelve-team playoff, and Oklahoma State barely gets in. Um, this thing is about to be run. The sport, what I'm talking about, more like um, what's going to dictate ratings, matchups. Yeah, that, that, there's a real good chance Bedlam would be paired up in the first round of a twelve-team playoff. Right. Yeah. I think so. So that should they make it optional? We'll play it at the end of the year if it's a. Uh... 
if it's not going to be relevant for either one of us. Just <laughs> we've we've got a bragging rights game that we can throw in in, in December. Like if if we don't make the conference championship game, either one of us will play that instead. Yeah. I don't know. I what can I say? I think it should continue. It makes a ton of sense for it to continue for both schools. I don't know why other than Oklahoma State feeling like that's going to be one less loss a year for them. I don't know why they would be trying to get out of it. Yeah, maybe they're still butthurt over it, but I think at this point they should be thanking thanking OU and Texas that they did it a year ago and not now. The Big 12 is in a great spot thanks to the timeline that OU and Texas decided to go to the SEC. It'd look a lot different if they had just announced that they're rolling to that conference. Yeah, I'm It'd just be saying. be a little bit more of a mad scramble. I'm just saying you have to somewhat recognize where you are. And I say this respecting Oklahoma State as a program. Don't kill a nice revenue producer for you because you think you might win a national championship by not playing that game. That that seems like wasting what could be uh, an eternal spigot of cash for something that is incredibly unlikely to happen. That's just the way I view it. They may view it differently. So, I don't know. All right, quick timeout. More from The Rush coming up. Final hour rolls on next. Stream at home. Shop the latest ref gear. Read the latest issues of Boyd Street or 19th Street Magazine. And listen to the podcast for your favorite ref shows. Just visit the all-new KREF.com website. Think about the last time you moved. Remember how you said you'd never... Riverwind Casino and Hotel, bringing you this hour of the rush. Tyler McComas, Teddy Lehman. Want to hear a bad list? Uh, we've had some bad lists this offseason. I'm not saying that this is the worst one. What I'm telling you is this is a bad list and I disagree with it. Okay. Uh, let's see. This is Ivan Mazel's 11 best college football venues. Okay, alphabetically, sure. not in any particular order. Yeah, 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 yeah. First one this. mentioned is Alabama, Bryant Denny Stadium. That's the number one venue? No, alphabetically. Okay. I don't think Alabama is one of the 11 best venues in college football. Really? And here's why. In 2003, when we made that road trip, that was awesome. Had a great time. Got sauerkraut on a hot dog. That kind of sucked. But overcame that and still had a really good time. Mm -hmm. I think Alabama has won so much recently that I don't think that when you've won at their level, it breeds a great home field environment. I think there's probably once every two years, like when LSU is really good or Auburn's pretty good, I think it can be an amazing environment. But I think their fans are completely spoiled. They just show up every week and saying, all right, let's win by 40 and get out of here. They're just not on, hmm. You're not on edge as much when you have as, as, had as much success as they've had. Don't think yeah. Alabama is one of the 11 best. I that's maybe true. Do you have to grade everyone on what it can be like or what it like the average I think what the average of okay. what it is. All yeah. right. I'm I'm and okay with, with that. that. I say Bama no. Army Mikey Stadium. It I bet it'd be awesome. pretty awesome. Yeah, that's one that I could actually see being, 
you know, top 11. It Especially looks awesome. since we love the troops on this show. The setting is amazing, but I don't know that I've ever seen, like, crowd shots there. What like, is it packed and is it wild? Like, the, the stadium is beautiful, set on the river. Like, that part I get, but I think it's got to be more than just that. Auburn, Jordan-Hare Stadium. Totally situational for them. I don't I, I don't know. I'll tell you this. A minute ago, they were playing some of the greatest plays in history, which the kick six, is that is that the like the most recognizable play in college football? I think of this era of the sport. Um definitely in the last twenty I, years. Man, what's God, I, I'm not mentioning what's a close second. I'm not mentioning that play. I was, I was honestly oh, thinking wow. on the spot what Seriously? it is, and that's what I thought. Yeah. Well, you said recognizable. Jeez. I, yeah. Well, you brought up the 1971 punt return against OU, which is still fresh on our minds. That's I mean, pretty sweet. You know, I think we all remember that. We were all there for it. I that They were showing that game in high definition, and it looked awesome, and Jack Mildren looked amazing. He was way more athletic than I thought and threw the ball really well. Sanford Stadium at Georgia, Notre Dame Stadium. Everyone on the text line was just dogging Notre Dame a couple of days ago when I asked how awesome the atmosphere was. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was okay. It was good. It wasn't bad. It was it was good. Ohio State. Ohio Stadium is on here. Yeah, I'm going to say yes. Beaver Stadium at Penn State can buy that one. That one actually looks, looks pretty sweet. Looks great. Or like in this. Uh, Article says, was it assembled in the dark? Because it's kind of an eyesore from the outside of it. But Is it really? Yeah, it still looks pretty awesome. Though. I don't know if I've ever seen it from the outside, but whenever they have those wide outs, it is awesome. A&M, Kyle Field, I don't know what it's like now, but back in the day it was pretty good. It's a yes. There is a few here that I agree with. The Rose Bowl at UCLA, not for a home game. I, the Rose Bowl itself, Maybe. But for a UCLA home game, no no chance. Rose Bowl, yes. I'm with you. UCLA, no. But you have to just include it. And as then the USC Rose Bowl. is on here. We've been what? making fun of them for how little fan support they have See, coming out to games. This totally that is a bad list. That is uh, the list up to this point isn't bad. Like you can you can say eh I don't know about that and uh no but USC that is absurd this is another one of these stupid lazy takes and just pumping up USC trying to get the hype train going trying to get the West Coast to reengage with college football that's so stupid that place hasn't been rocking in I don't know how long there's nothing um. Like, it's not even set up to be loud and intimidating. It's just like a giant horseshoe that looks really spread out, far from the field. Like, some stadiums are built on top. Kyle Field is kind of built up on top. It's built to be intimidating, loud. There's nothing intimidating about the L.A. Memorial Coliseum. What was it, like the 84 or 88 Olympics were out there, and it – it doesn't look like it's been updated at all. Well, since it, it then. just now, like they got a press box being built there. I hey. think that's like the first updates they've had. Nice. Other than removing Reggie Bush's uh, jersey in the end zone, that's oh, like geez. the only other update they've done to it since the 80s. Yeah. And then Husky Stadium in Washington. I've heard it's great. It's right there on the lake. Um, 
supposed to be really loud too, but I've just kind of taken people's word for it. I am um, gonna I'm gonna make a little bit of a hot take here. Actually, I don't think it's that hot at all. I don't disagree at all that OU's not in the top eleven. Right. But I think it's not in the top eleven right now because the conference that you play in, the teams that you play, the lack of fans that attend here. I think at OU's best, it's at a top eleven. Sure. The best version of Oklahoma Memorial Stadium, we're gonna see it here in a few years. Yeah. Whatever the whatever the best of that is, whatever the loudest it is, we're gonna see the best version of OU fans inside that stadium, that stadium itself. It's I, I feel like that place is going to feel and sound a lot different in four years than what it has the previous four years. Needs to. Needs to. You're right, it does need to, because you know, LSU may not have a great team, but their home field advantage is massive, man. That's a big deal for them. And you can go to some other SEC teams as well and say, oh, buddy, they may be a above-average football team, but if you play there at night, you better buckle up. It's going to be a fight. That's, right. what OU, that's what OU needs in, in this league. Right. The home field has got to be a factor against some of the better teams. Yep, totally agree. Um Tennessee should be on this list. Yeah, I agree with that. It it should be on the list, 100%. It's got a great area around the stadium. They've got the, what do they call the all the boats together? The Vol Navy. they got the Vol Navy. Uh, the way the team comes into the stadium is awesome. They've got like a, I don't know, it looks like it's a half a mile long that the, the guy's walking through off of the buses through – just a sea of people. It holds over 100,000. Everyone's dressed up crazy, wearing their coveralls and all kinds of stuff. It Tennessee should be there. Now, they've sucked for quite a while, but it should be there in the top ten. Well, that's why it should be there, is they've sucked for quite some and time, and good. it's still pretty awesome. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you just true. made the case as to why it should be. I've got, I've got something. Earlier, you said you asked why, why is everyone always so dismissive of Oklahoma, like the national riders, in terms of being a top five job, or just like just on this season, just in like kind of everything in general, in terms of being a top five job and all that stuff. Okay. And I said because they think we ride horses to practice and stuff like that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, let me read you the headline as to why everyone thinks about us the way they do. A noodler, this is from the Oklahoma. I did see this. A noodler has been arrested on a murder complaint after he confessed to killing another fisherman for trying to feed him to Bigfoot along a river in southeast Oklahoma reported by an OSBI agent. I mean, you know, innocent until proven guilty, but I understand your point, the headline there. I don't think you can arrest him until we talk to Bigfoot. <laughs> exactly. we got to hear the side, both sides of the story first. If it's true, <laughs> then that may be justified homicide. But Hey, I have no I, doubt that there's yeah, multiple sheriffs in southeastern Oklahoma that know exactly where to find Bigfoot. <laughs> uh, me thinks this is the meth talking, right? <laughs> All right, quick timeout. It is the meth talking <laughs> in the southeast, and uh, it's funny that you mentioned that. Well, this has nothing to do with meth, but Parker and I have been talking recently like, dang, 
Southeastern Oklahoma has some kids coming up in these next few recruiting classes. Well, well, you and you've got one. Um, is McAllister considered Southeast Oklahoma? Is that where Southeast Oklahoma starts? It, yeah, I would say it's East Central. Uh, yeah, but it may be Southeast. That is kind of where it starts. So yeah, I, for now, yes, we'll go ahead and include it. They fit in with that region. How about that? They fit. In, they identify with that region. All right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. Couple of segments left. Keep hitting the text line six five one three four three nine. Is it truly going to be for the SEC? Venables is a defensive coach, but he doesn't have the personnel that Georgia and Alabama have. When we go back, when you go back and look every year when it's Alabama, Georgia, Clemson, um, Ohio State, those teams all typically have something in common. Most of them usually have elite quarterback play. But behind all of that, there's tons of NFL talent. And behind all of that are lines on offense and front sevens on defense that are just full of men that shut down mere mortals playing college football. It is There's a reason why Oklahoma's been to the playoffs a number of times under Lincoln Riley and not been able to win a game. That this idea that within three years they'll be in a position to do that, who in the hell is going to? I just I don't know who in the hell is going to be on the field for them. Well, I'm sure uh, gives Teddy the warm fuzzies inside that one of his tweets yesterday that went viral. OU win a national championship within the next three years. He's got Texas uh, beat writers commenting on it on a podcast saying things like that. Which hey. That tweet breeded an awful take by Jeff Ketchum of orangebloods.com. So I think that's the best part of your tweet so far. Yeah, I think that that's take right. Him. Oh, they're not going to have the defensive guys of Georgia and Alabama. Well, yeah, who does? <laughs> no one outside Georgia and Alabama has the horses on defense that Georgia and Alabama does. Right. I, I, I don't know. It's odd. Nope, nope. I agree. I agree. Um, I don't know. It's... It's going to be interesting to see how this thing unfolds. You know, I don't, you know, obviously I don't know. This is just a feeling I have based off of the conversations, what I've seen, um, the direction of the program in, in every single aspect. I, I feel like everyone is looking at Oklahoma from last year and trying to and it's like me saying that the team from last year will win a championship in 3 years. No, it's they'll look light years in right. a year's time. It's it's, it's going to be a a totally different team. Every single thing they do is different than what it was before. How they eat, how they recover, how they work out, how they practice, how they go to meetings, Every single thing they do, how they stretch, how they start practice, every single thing that they do is totally different. 
there will be zero similarities between last year's team and this coming year's team, other than some names on the back of some jerseys will be the same. Other than that, different offense, different defense, different way of going about things, different style, different philosophy, everything is different. Yeah, and you know what? Um, we actually pay attention to things around here. I don't need to wait until the start of the season to, to, to have already seen that or to know that that's going to be the case. The spring game where you really can't take too many you know, big proclamations out of it. But one of the things that you took out is it looks like a different football team. And that was extremely early on in the process. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I saw it way back in, what month was that, April? Yes, correct. Nice. Yeah. No, that's, that's exactly right. It's, it, it's going to be different. Forget what you saw a year ago and be ready for something else. Now, does that mean that the first game of the season, they're going to look like a national championship. Oh, yeah. Team. Yeah. Uh-huh. Let's go. It's going to be a work in progress. And I think several players in the team as a whole are going to look way different come November than they do in September. But, you know, you just have to be able to weather some of those early games and not have any hiccups before you really start to gather some momentum and play your best football. Okay, I'm glad you mentioned early games. Yes, yeah, they won't look like a national championship team in week one, but God, I got a feeling that they're going to look pretty good in week one and early on in the season. I, um, I just had a thought last night driving home after the show that I have a feeling that in November I'm really going to be kicking myself if I don't capitalize on how Vegas is – valuing OU as a football team right now. I mean that with over-under wins, nine on the season. Man, I feel like that is so ripe to make some money on. And the spread for OU UTEP, do you remember it offhand what it is? I feel like it was pretty low. Is it like 38 and a half, 38, something like that? It was 33 and a half. 33, I mean, that sounds even better. 33 and a half, 34, which I was looking at something the other day. And I think UTEP thirty two and a half. I'm seeing. Oh God! Yeah. I think UTEP had the like the one hundred and fiftieth ranked recruiting class in the country right now. Nice. Which is Do almost you think their fans are freaking out like they were around here two was, weeks ago. <laughs> it was almost. This was a shock to me. That's where Tulsa was. Tulsa was like one thirty out of, you know, I don't I don't know how far it goes, but. Tulsa should be better than that. Yeah. But UTEP is has been I'm just saying, horrible. I think that there's a real opportunity, and maybe this will fall, will fall flat on my face if I'm active in it. I just think there's a real opportunity to bet the over nine wins. Right. OU minus 32 against UTEP in week one. And then the spread that I'm really starting to like as we get closer to the season, OU minus three and a half against Nebraska. Really? I'm really, yeah, man. I I don't think OU's going to go up there and win by 28, but I think that up-tempo offense is going to be in real issue for Nebraska in the third game of the season. Mostly what I like, Teddy, is where the value's been placed on OU and at least what I think it is, and maybe Vegas is more accurate than I am about this team, but I guess I'm willing to take that chance early on in the year before Vegas kind of adjusts to what this team actually is. Right. I I think that's 
I think that's reasonable. UTEP, love it. Nine uh, over or nine and a half over, love it. Um, Nebraska, do I love it? No, but if there was a side I was going to take, it would be that side. Yeah, three and a half. Right. But uh, what's the history again about Nebraska in one-score games? Well, they were 3-9 and nine last year. They lost nine games by one score. Eight of those were by a single score, including the OU game. But OU, as bad as they were in that game and as bad as they were last year, would have covered that 3.5. They won by seven a year ago. Right. Yep. Yep. No, I'm, I think that, that is, that's a safe bet. I would be on that side of it. Uh, if I was to uh, to take it. So Blaine just sent me the current lines from DraftKings. Uh, minus 34 against UTEP. Minus 4.5 at Nebraska. Minus 4 at TCU. God, that one's juicy. Minus 10 at home against Kansas State. Ooh. Minus 2 against Texas. Mm-hmm. Minus 4 at Iowa State. Mm-hmm. Minus 9 against Baylor. Team that's picked to win the league. Minus 10 at West Virginia. Minus seven against OSU at home. That one's tasty to me. Uh, minus 13 at Tech. So, like I thought, they're a favorite in every single game. We played Kansas State at home, right? Yeah. We're minus 10 against Kansas State and minus nine against Baylor? Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. I think there's more than a one-point separation between those two teams. Uh, that could be drastically different by the time that kicks off. But I, I do think both of those teams, I think they could be tough. I, I definitely think Kansas. I um, I always thought Baylor was going to be tough going into this year, but they just have a real X factor now with the quarterback. I and think Kansas, Kansas State, State does too. Kansas State does too. If he stays healthy, they've got um, the second best running back potentially. Maybe, maybe the best. Maybe the best. If we're talking, like if you're talking about going to the NFL, he's not the best. But if we're talking about production wise, maybe the best defensive player. And yep. they won't have the best quarterback, but they may have the best quarterback for them. If that makes yeah. sense. If he can keep from turning the ball over, their offensive coordinator is trying to make him into a mirror of what he was. Um, their OC, by the way, Colin Klein. In case yeah. none of you out there knew that, that's right. And was a one-man wrecking crew. Quarterback power, quarterback counter, zone read, throw the bubble, uh, throw the RPO, slant over the middle behind the backer, take a shot with a burner receiver, and guess what? Got a burner receiver. It was it was almost like a small-town high school football team that has some good athletes, but there's clearly one athlete that's better than the rest. Yeah which is just snap it to him every single time and let him go. That's what Kansas State's offense was under Colin Klein and kind of what they might want it to be this year. The only difference is, and it's maybe shocking it didn't happen, if they would have had him play Mike Backer too, right? Quarterback and Mike Backer is where the small-town kid plays. 918, favored in all games, but over-under at nine games? I don't bet, so I guess I don't understand this, but that's what I'm saying. I think the over-nine is tasty. Tasty. Um, wouldn't have covered that just a handful of times over the past 20 years. 
So, all right, quick timeout. More from the rush coming up. We've got the final segment next. This hour of the rush is brought to you by Riverwind Casino. Casino and hotel, over 2,700 electronic games, 30 game tables, a 24-7 poker room, and the best in concerts and comedy. Riverwind Casino, just south of Norman on Highway 9 and I-35. GMC continues its commitment to professional-grade engineering in the GMC Truck Series, like offering the world's first available six-function multi-pro tailgate on Sierra. This tailgate takes innovation to the next level with six distinct functions that let you load, unload, and access the cargo box quicker and easier. The list goes on, but it's more than just innovative engineering. It's knowing GMC is committed to professional-grade excellence on every level. See your Oklahoma GMC dealers. But the good news is that it's also full of things that remind you not to let them. 